MTR Network. Uh, this is Hiroja with Joseph and Parrish, and we are kicking it back at 10-4 to talk about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 1 through 3, which is the Stargazer, uh, Penis, and Assimilation. Uh, basically, when the show starts, uh, the Season 2 Picard, our heroes are scattered across the Star Trek universe. Picard is back on the vineyard. Uh, Seven is with the, the Ferris Rangers. Rafi, Chris, Eleanor are in Starfleet. And Angus and Soji are ambassadors on behalf of the Synths. Uh, it's almost two years later since we last saw everyone, and the year is 2401. Um, what did you guys think so far about this uh, opening arc that we've got going on? Well, first of all, we are back in business. It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Um, but shit happens, you know. <laughs> um, this first three episodes was, they were wild. Um, starting with the intro to the, the, like the opening titles was just completely and totally bonkers from the word go. Um, getting to see everyone back in Starfleet and back doing the, doing the, the exploration and, and all of the Starfleet stuff was great. Seeing the new Stargazer was even better. Um, someone needs to put a leash on Agnes because she is crazy. She needs psychological help like immediately, but we'll get into that later. Um, it was a fun ride. It was a, it was a fun uh, first three episodes. Yeah, I think bonkers is the right word. That these three episodes have been bonkers. Yeah, she is buck, but has been buck, but crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, love it. Um, I mean, I, I have to keep telling people what I've told them before. The show doesn't have any training wheels. You know, you got to know the stuff. It 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 just it just starts and it keeps going. It never puts puts its foot on the brake. But I, I've been loving it so far. Man, they ain't telling folks shit. They don't want they don't want to watch it. That's fine. Is it good? Do I need to watch Picard? No. Do I need to watch Discovery? <laughs> no. Do I need to watch? No. Those? These are people that I care about that actually right. have you know earnestly ask me. Yes. Well, should I check this out? And I'm like, mm, you kind of have to you kind of have to know some stuff before you can watch Picard. Right. I, I I treat the Star Trek universe the same way I treated Agents of Shield. Do I want? Do I need to watch this? No. You good? <laughs> <laughs> your ass at home it's all right it's yeah <laughs> yeah what i liked about it and i've noticed about this with uh the now the streaming has been like really accepted in the hollywood sphere if you will is that they brought back that old trope the cliffhanger uh i noticed this in another show that i'm, I'm watching which you can hear the review uh by ro and chris called the following where they ended on a cliffhanger so they drop this show weekly. So if you're watching this weekly, you're like, I gotta, I gotta tune in next week. I gotta know what happens. Uh, but if you're binging this and you wait for the entire season to finish, you're like, you're definitely clicking the the button, and it's like a continuous thing. And I, I really enjoy that some of these shows have a kind of abrasive format where they're like, yeah, we're dropping this weekly on these streaming services, but you can also still at the same time acknowledge the kind of binging culture aspect. Um, I appreciate that format that the, uh, Picard has done with this season. 
But this show goes beyond just freaking bonkers. I mean, it just, not only does it go full board, but it hits you with all this, like, oh, this is happening, and then this is happening, and this is happening. Like, what's happening here? And it's just like, you have to watch the show a couple of different times to catch everything. And it makes it very enjoyable for me personally. Yeah, they're basically dropping you in, uh, like, the saga continues. What saga? You didn't see season one? No. Well, you out of luck, buddy. <laughs> you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, and that was that was where we picked up in the first season. You know, this this show does not have training wheels at all. Like it's it's not discovery. You nope. can't just jump in. This can't be your first introduction to Star Trek. I mean, it can, but you're gonna be confused as hell. You won't you won't finish. True. You won't finish. It's like it's like taking a, a little kid that played baby T ball and then jumping him into like high school baseball. You you're not you you, you can't hang. You can't do it. You you have no concept of anything that's really going on with the show, which is fine. It's fine. It's really the way they have built the Star Trek universe with these different shows is they have catered to the entire audience as a whole, but also segmented off to people that are like really into SCNG and Voyager or just do Star Trek lore together. There's Picard. If you want, I don't think people are going to like what's going to happen with Strange New Worlds. But if you want that episodic where they just go beam down to a planet, discover a little alien species, and the episode resets, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, that's going to be there for you. If you want a little bit of humor, a little bit of fun, there's lower decks. Uh, if you have a kid and you want them to get involved in Star Trek and introduce them, but you're not sure if they're going to handle the kind of the, the different TV shows because many of them have been done in different eras and some of them don't age well or they might get a little bored because of the effects or something like that. You got Prodigy. Mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, got my niece watching Prodigy. Uh-huh. I watched the yeah. first episode. Um, I haven't got, I haven't jumped back into it or anything like that. I may do so. Um, my understanding of the season is not complete anyways. They kind of broken it up. Right. But, um, you have that. Uh, you have, like I said, you have Lower Decks, which has a bit of a humor. Uh, it does a little bit of lore, a little tongue-in-cheek, but still, it's episodic. There, it does a little bit of reset, but there's a tiny little theme throughout. Uh, there's different things for people. And they're doing a new Star Trek movie in the Kelvin universe. So there's pretty much, it's like a buffet. You pick what you want. Yeah, they they have they have such a, a long lore, or such a huge lore that they can be all things to all people, and they they've done a very good job of executing on that. Yes, they have. Um, <laughs> let's begin with like the Stargazer, the first episode. Um, it's a new year, new year. Uh, Bacards at the Vineyard. Um, homeboy apparently died off off camera. So Laris is making her moves, and you know Picard is uh, being a kind of, kind of being Picard. Being uh, a goat. Yeah, Picard is like the, <laughs> you know who knows if he can even get it up in that robot body anymore. It don't matter, man. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. Yeah, you're right. I was, I was you messing up. Like, wait a minute, really? I I think we 
kind of forget how much of a nerd Picard is. How awkward Picard is. When he wasn't really getting a hit and then he it clicked in his head, I was like, oh, you nerd. Oh, Picard. Oh, John Luke, come on, man. Come on, man. Um, And then when he jumped at the chance to be able to, you know, when a message is received from his own known, from the Borg, basically, or this unknown species calling out, he like, he went for it. He he left. He left Earth. Um, because, uh, as Lara says, he he's running away from something. Uh, we get hints of it, a flashbacks of, to his childhood, which I think is going to play a big a big part uh, in the season. So far, we haven't really gone back to that in these first three episodes. But, yeah, just Picard being Picard. Oh, man. Oh, man. Poor boy. Um, I yeah, did like, please. yeah, I, I, I like that the, the fact that he did kind of visit Guinan and like he did reach out to her and I guess he tried to talk it out a little bit, but you know, he didn't. <laughs> I, right. but he did it. Um, and Guinan called him on it, but she's like, okay, fine. We'll just, we'll just drink boy. Well, I'll wait. I got time. You know, I've been here for centuries. I know how you operate. We'll, we'll, we'll work this out, boy. We're, we're working this out. Um, I kind of like the places that everybody is at. I'm not sure how I feel about Eleanor being part of Starfleet, but I guess it kind of makes sense with the influences of Picard and Raffi on him. Um, I don't know what you all thought about that. I was fine with it. I mean, yeah. Romulus has to do something. They're they're a scattered group, uh, and joining the Federation seems like a natural fit. What what? What other options do they have? And using Elnora as the the olive branch of sorts because of the influence with, you know, with Picard and with Rafi and honestly with, uh, with uh, Rios, you know, mm-hmm. works. Yeah, Maybe. I didn't think much of it either. Um, I, I thought it was just, you know, we we know that they're going to progress this character. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, maybe I wanted to see a little bit of the progression. Maybe. Uh, I don't know if people... It just was a big jump. But I think it did fit when we get to the second episode. It just it was kind of still like a, he was awkward Elnor kind of a person. And um, when we start seeing a bit more of the confidence that was going on, it's like, okay, okay. That kind of does make sense. Um, Ralphie being back in Starfleet. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, she, I was like, I was hoping she could like a vindicated moment, like coming into the office and be like, "I was right, I was right, <laughs> I was right." Give me my cookies. I right. was right. 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 <laughs> clearly, <Maybe>. that, <laughs> clearly, that happened off camera, but. But the other side of it is that, like. Uh, kind of don't want her left to her own devices. Mm-hmm. Like Starfleet is probably the best place for her. Yeah, like Starfleet sure is the best places. I'm sure there's something else that happened in that audio book that I haven't listened to yet. Uh, I haven't listened to it either yet. No, I don't even have it yet. But I'm sure there's something in there that why she, um, that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, would have to actually listen to it. We have time. Right. Yeah, I have time to listen to it. Um, 
it makes sense to Seven still being the lone wolf. I, I like the fact that she has the La Sierra. She's doing still doing her thing, kicking the ass. I like that the fact that her only friend is a hologram, which makes sense considering kind of on Voyager. Her really, her only friend was the Doctor. So it kind of makes sense. She kind of gravitated to that. Um, and the fact that her and Ralphie kind of separated. Because they obviously have two completely different directions how they want to take their life. And it seems like it was a mutual end. Like there wasn't bad blood. I don't think it ended. I think it's just a break. Oh, okay. I think they're going to get back together uh, probably this season. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, Rios being a captain in Starfleet. Of the Stargazer. Um, of the Stargazer. Uh, I would like to have a little bit more of an introduction of his crew just to see him being the captain-captain, but we got to the conflict like immediately pretty much as soon as his introduction occurred um but you know there was a disturbance in the space there was a big temple void both uh seven and the stargazer both received contact with it and then we get the message that um agnes was able to decode which basically was multiple voices asking for picard um let's talk about agnes a little bit (laughs) <laughs> which is the Kobayashi Maru played out yet again. Yep. Yeah, yeah, which they talked about because Picard, besides being on the vineyard, is taking the position as a chancellor, uh, head of the Starfleet Academy. That's his position now. He's going to be, which he kind of already, kind of always has kind of been and has been doing, which is being an academic. He's going to teach the new generation whatever wisdom he has um, to prepare them for um what's out there. Uh <laughs> what do y'all think about Agnes this season? Agnes needs help. Agnes needs a hug. Agnes needs psychiatric treatment. Uh Agnes needs Admiral Cornwall, except for she got blown up on the Enterprise in Discovery. Yeah. All she's, of that. She's a little uh, this is the problem with sometimes with very smart people when they need some help and they overcompensate with stuff. Uh, and because they're smart, when they do some, which I'm thinking we're going to see this season, some foul things, it's it's very, very, very bad. Uh, we saw a little hints of it where she um, rejected that one dude that was flirting with her about how she like killed her boyfriend due to some kind of psychosis. My bill, that's how she got away with murder. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then she has Soji not to make sure she drunk hails, which I thought was funny. Uh, her boyfriend Rios. Uh, yeah, she's yeah, she's got some problems. Mm. She's she's got some problems, and these problems have allowed her to garner the attention of the Borg Queen. Which, by the way, how does the Borg Queen get scarier and scarier each iteration? Uh, because they pick actresses who are incredibly hot and incredibly scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there is a thing between Agnes and the Boar Queen, and I appreciate the hotness factor there, but and like, I'm terrified of the Boar Queen more so this time around than, so, say, Voyager. Uh, Voyager was more like a mind mm-hmm. in, intel, uh, mindfuck kind of a deal. This one was like, 
I think she could totally take one of those cables and kill me or simulate me. Like like aliens with the 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 suction thing. The, the little waxer things that come on your mouth. Like she's going to go bah! and you're a Borg. Like I'm like when they finally do get the Borg queen I and mean, I know we're jumping around here. Like I was like why is there not enough shields? Why is she not tied down with a bunch of duct tape? You guys are just letting her hang there. I, I, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I also think it was a way, it, it's it's a way to raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're going to see the war queen and you're going to be like, oh, this is, this is horrifying. And then mm-hmm. when she's horrified, there's a problem. There is a problem. And she was horrified in the alternate timeline that we get to in episode two of Penis. But she's still a little horrified even uh, when they jump ahead through the time zone. Mm-hmm. And that is scary in itself when the most baddest person in the entire universe is afraid. Yes. But there's also a different board queen that makes the first contact with a stargazer because what happens is Bakari gets a message by Starfleet. He gets requested because they're saying, hey, we don't know what's up here, but these people want to talk to you. Will you be the ambassador to the first contact he comes down to the stargazer there's seven there's rios the band is back together uh rafi and uh elnor are on a different ship they're on what ship were they on the excelsior the excelsior oh classic shout out there um the fleet is out there to monitor this very massive tempo disruption um and picard says okay hey hi i'm here and then the borg show up that ship was bonkers. Um, mm-hmm. That ship looked like it's built to devour anything and everything, but at the same time, it kind of looked like the female anatomy, which I was like, oh, you guys are so <laughs> clever there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that was, when it was coming through, I was scared. It was like, reverse, 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 reverse! <laughs> but that's not what happened, but... The dog agrees. <laughs> Oh, before we continue, uh, shout out to Star Trek Online for uh, helping to bolster the ships of the line in the Stargazer, including the creation of the Stargazer, which was uh, from Star Trek Online. Hmm. I, I wanted to ask you that. I was like, how like dope did you feel to see like, oh, all these ships are from the video game that I've been playing? And I appreciate that. That's something that the the creators behind Star Trek have been doing is not everything is canon as far as the extra stuff that's been part of the Star Trek universe, whether it be the video games or uh, the books or audio or merch or anything like that. But they've slowly been mining different things. That's how you got the name of Navarre for Vulcan. That's how we got the Star Star Trek new Star Trek ships. They look very dope and cool, and I totally want their models. Um, but I, I was like, oh, this is cool. These are, yeah, they very, they look very good. They look very exciting, and I'm, I'm happy for that particular community that they were able to contribute. I just got to say that all the shit that Scotty talked us uh, talked about the Excelsior, uh-huh. we didn't go on through about nine enterprises. Excelsior <laughs> still checking along. Yeah, Excelsior still checking along. Um, but this, this board vessel comes across very terrifying and then they want to come aboard rios doesn't want to let them they're trying to beam in he's like oh they our shields will i'm like 
dude, they're the Borg. <laughs> they're coming. She's coming unannounced. She didn't knock. She kind of called ahead, but she's coming. And what did you think about the look? Oh, you mean Gerardi in the helmet? <laughs> do you think it's Gerardi or do you think it's Seven? Because I know, isn't Seven of Nine in the Star Trek Online game the yeah. Borg Queen? No, she's not. No, she's not the Borg Queen. She's um, she's just Annika. Okay. An angry Annika like in the show. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I I I thought she might have been the Borg Queen. Um, I guess I was wrong. Um, but you think it's Gerardi? Oh, uh, I am. I am willing to wager ten dollars is Gerardi. You don't think it's Picard's mom? No. 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 What do you think, Parrish? I'm just letting it roll. You're just letting it roll? Okay. Yeah, because I, I haven't given that part that much thought at all. I thought it was extremely unusual look for them and the fact that it, that the face was hidden. But obviously there's a reason for that. Right. Uh, if it's Gerardi and there's time shenanigans going on. But the look of not having a face, I thought was more terrifying than seeing a, a drone face or the Borg Queen face. Really, and not that, only not a face, but having all of the machinations of the mask just showing up and looking like a clock. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it like it moved. It was mm -hmm. like a like a, a a movement was going on with the face, and the fact that when she did come aboard and uh, needed power, which set off the whole conflict of uh, Starfleet firing on the vessel and firing on the board queen. I found that interesting. I also find it very interesting and very stupid that Starfleet would borgify their vessels, which I get they probably got some of that from Voyager as something that they could do. But at the same time, I was like, ah, that's like a security flaw, guys. That's, <laughs> that's a big security flaw. You really want to do that? Like, uh, do you have enough, like, you know, enough, barriers to make sure that your vessel doesn't get borgified and get taken over which is what happened right is why, why Picard uh blew up the stargazer uh to prevent her from basically taking over the fleet because as soon as she started taking command of the stargazer and sucking up that power she was trying to take the fleet and um of course uh Admiral Picard uh seven being such a hater <laughs> Gosh, you're such a hater, which is understandable. Uh, like really prompting him to like, you need to blow us up because she can't take over the fleet. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna say this. Um, mm -hmm. I and this is gonna well, okay. So, as we know, the the Captain Janeway kind of wrecked the Borg's shop, so there there pretty much were no more Borg left except for that one cube that we saw in season one. And that was interesting that there was another ship that was new, a brand new design for the ship. Mm -hmm. um, which part of me is part of me is leaning into the, the whole Gerardi of it all. Um, also, the Borg Queen did not kill anyone. She just stunned them. She did stun them. And Ed Seven said that. She's just stunning them. Like, they weren't killed, which is different. 
Um, but as but the conversation they had in the conference room before with Brios, Girardi, and Picard and Seven talking this out, like what are we supposed to do? It's the Borg, because they just you know they came out of the portal, all monster like, and Seven was like, we need to destroy this vessel, and they're like, well, what if it's first contact? What if they want to be part of the Federation? Agnes is like, that's a big, that's like a big, a big thing, like a prize, if you will. And Kevin is like, yeah, if we destroy just one vessel, you know, uh, oops. But uh, if they come and try to assimilate and end us like they've done to everybody else, you know, that's our bad. That's our fault. We're responsible for basically the genocide of our own civilization. And she made a valid point. She made a very, very valid point. Um, and Agnes's point about them kind of saying, hey, we want to be friends now. Um, that's kind of what Starfleet's about. Like, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to be friends with you, but how do you think to be friends with people that, one, are not really people because they're assimilated, they're, they're colonized, if you will, they're slaves. Right. Vast majority of them, if you will. Uh how do you make that accommodation? Like, are these people going to be freed? Like, Hughes people from the reclamation thing? I mean, there's so many variables, if you will. Yeah, I, I I guess that's why on the surface, the whole, you know, when you when you said that, it just made me laugh because everything about them is that, I mean, and by design, the antithesis of what the Federation is. But, the, go ahead. They're like the bit, the very extreme symbol of colonization is what they mm -hmm. are. Exactly. And so I don't know if the wrong decision was made there of Picard blowing them up. But apparently, according to Q, it was. Yeah. Well, and see, that's why I was going to say, I don't think that it's that it matters. Uh -huh. because, because, because Q. Because of Q. And so... As the card is entering the code and the board queen says his name, we hear a, a French tune. Everyone's hearing it. Rios is looking around. Seven's looking around like, what the fuck is that? And then you see from the outside, which I appreciate the image of the stargazer blowing up and it might possibly be in the rest of the fleet because they were all connected. And then we get Picard somehow magically transported back to his chateau. And the room, which I guess we didn't kind of talk about, uh, this broken room that he hasn't repaired in the chateau that used to be his mother's. Um, he gets up, he looks around, he's in different clothing, he has no idea where he is. Uh, he's looking for Laris. Uh, she ain't there. And there's Q. What did you all think about that introduction of Q? See, if he had stayed his ass home and just been kissing with Laris, then none of us would have been he wanted to go as uh, explore his friends. Right. right. Um, yeah. Haven't you done enough? <laughs> Can't you just take the win, my dude? Um, I like the way they showed it up. I like the way that they uh did the whole aging addressing the aging question where Q goes, Oh, meal kept it on. Uh <laughs> oh, I miss you. Look at you. Look at you and your old self. Hold on, let me let me change my clothes so we can be the same. Um, yeah, he went from Q to Zaddy Q. Yeah, basically, uh, basically, <laughs> yeah, he did go to Zaddy Q. There's a lot of there's a lot of daddies in the Star Trek universe right now, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm talking about Christopher Pike, Space Daddy. 
Uh, about that room. Oh, I wish he would keep the beard, but that's okay. Oh, there's Vance too. Vance, oh, I've had a crush on that actor for years. Everyone has. Ugh, I wish they would give him more, but that's okay. Um, so that was the end of the Stargazer. Basically, Q shows up, Picard's, you know, uh, back into his old place in different clothes and in a different timeline. And they ended it kind of like at a cliffhanger, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? This has never really happened to this degree on Star Trek. Uh, there's been a few episodes of Discovery that have been like bonkers, but mm-hmm. to this level, uh, ever. And I was like, my jaw was dropped. The, I was like, what are you guys doing? What is happening here? Well, first of all, I mean, they started playing with time from the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I don't know if it's fair to say that other other shows and movies give you some indication that they're playing with time because that sort of defeats the purpose of playing with time. But I think maybe we're used to Star Trek sort of being linear, a little more linear. That Mm -hmm. I like, I got midway through the episode and was like, "Oh, they're playing with time here." Okay, Mm -hmm. I gotta watch this over again. They work with the structure, how they like they did the time jump is to 2401, uh, where everybody was at in a different day and time and night. Yes, they, they were playing with time, with the structure of time. Um, there's hints throughout like the promotional stuff that that was the case. They did bring um, Terry Matlis, uh, uh, those who have listened to the MTR network from a long time. He was a producer of The Twelve Monkeys. Uh, he's basically been the Hollywood go-to consultant for time stuff. Uh, my understanding is uh, the rumor was he was consulted for Avengers Endgame about some of the time stuff, how that went down. So you got somebody who has an understanding of playing time producing this season of the show. I just like my heart dropped about everything that was going on. I was so excited and I was like, I have no clue anything about the direction of this show. Mm-hmm. Of what is going to happen, what's going on. And the little things that they do with the fan service for this show not only makes sense, but it's fun. Like the background stuff, like um well which we'll talk about a tennis with the trophy room. Uh, the Borg Slayer room, if you will. But like the Stargazer being brought back, because it's not the Enterprise. Uh, Rios didn't get the Enterprise. He got the Stargazer. He wanted the Stargazer to, you know, as Agnes said, to have the legacy, if you will, to pay homage and honor to Picard, who brought him back into Starfleet. Kind of redeemed him in a way. Uh, What is the name of the species? Because I know they were a part of Star Trek, the motion picture, because it was the woman who ended up being Delton. The Deltons. The Deltons. I am back. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, they they brought the Deltons back, which is from the Star Trek motion picture Mm -hmm. film. uh, Because Soji and uh, Agnes are ambassadors for the synth, and they're trying to go around to the various uh, Federation members and different species saying, hey, we're not bad people. You you can kick it with us. Um, You know, we're good people. We want to reach out. We want to make accommodations. We want you to know us. Get to know us. 
those type of things. And even the background when Picard went to Ten Ford and you see the different background species in there. Uh, it, it was, you know, it's stuff like that that's nice. Uh, there is a little thing that Easter egg that I pointed out to Twitter, but we'll talk about it towards the end when uh, we get to episode three. That happened, but there's just like so much of the show has been packed to where it allows you for multiple viewings, but also has these, it feels so Star Trek, but modern. It really does. I, I just got to keep saying, um, bravo to this current era of star trek i just they i mean i wouldn't it, it, as as much as i sort of groaned about the third season of discovery that wasn't a miss they they haven't had any misses everything i've watched has been thoroughly enjoyable i don't think they have had any misses um and i feel like what they've done and what these writers, these crop of writers and producers have done is said that everything in Star Trek matters. All these little things you guys debated and talked about on the boards and fan fan fiction, fan services and images you've made, like the whole Star Trek online thing. These things matter and we will try to incorporate it into the larger universe as a whole. For these story arcs, these character things, these little tidbits, they matter to the characters. They matter to the overall universe. And we're going to pay homage. We're going to directly say things. We're going to, you know, weave them into the plot and and grow the universe and grow the stories and the characters. And I just really super appreciate uh, the, this era. I mean, I, I don't know how we got it. We don't deserve it, but I'm glad it's here. We got lucky. We got super lucky. We got super lucky with Alex Kurtzman that he had enough pull that those movies, uh, the J.J. Abrams movies, were so successful that he was able to basically build a Marvel-like universe, but mm -hmm. with Star Trek. They gave him the keys. They yeah, gave him the we keys. Got, we got lucky. We got super lucky. So, episode two, Penis opens up. And we got Jean-Luc Picard in a future that unfortunately i feel is more believable than the star trek utopia hmm. yeah. uh, what did you guys think what's the truth <laughs> right keep coming um so q's here and he's like hey homeboy so you fucked up i'm not gonna tell you how you fucked up but you did and Ricard's not having it. He's like, I'm an old man now. Yeah, I got a synth body, but I'm old. I'm not I'm not putting up with your shit. He was doing the whole old man thing. And Q was not having it. And what do you guys think of this iteration of Q, if you will, in Picard? He seems like very angry. He's very sick. And he does look sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's carrying care. I think he's carrying on the same anger from from when we last saw him. He had a very different tone at the end of the uh, of the next generation. Yeah, but that's not the last time we saw him. We saw him in Voyager. Well, I mean, the last time we saw him with Picard. Okay, okay, yes, he still had the same anger. He reminded Picard that the trial never ends; that he's still being judged on the weight of humanity's actions. Uh, but. I felt that Q himself has sort of morphed and changed from Voyager 
because, you know, he had a kid. There was, like, a whole Civil War thing, and then he had a kid. Uh, he seemed a little bit more mature, if you will, or not as mischievous, mm-hmm. or uh, man, uh, man, malevolent, man, malevolent, malevolent of a character. I don't think it's a regression, if you will, but I do feel like something has happened to shift Q's perspective, uh, perspective if you will. Because he said he said to Bacard, he's like, you know, I hadn't seen you in a long time, and I thought to myself to look you up, and of course, all I had to do was wait for an explosion, and there you are. Um, yeah, I I hope I'm sure they're gonna as the season progresses, and and because there's three seasons, that everything's been filmed. There's not gonna be any more seasons of Bacard. It's gonna be a complete story, if you will, and we know. Uh, it's been officially announced that Jonathan Lannis is going to be in the third season of Picard. I'd be interested to see how they address the shift and the change of Q. But he did look very angry, and he did look sick, and Picard like tried to call him out on it, and of course, Q deflected. I thought there was going to be four seasons of Picard. No, it had always been rumored to be three seasons, like when they actually initially renewed for a second season, and they were going to before the world went to shit. <laughs> they were going to do two and three back to back, and which mm-hmm. they kind of did, but there was like a gap in filming. Uh, so the, a lot of the writing for three was done during the pandemic as well, but they weren't going to do more than three seasons. Okay, that was agreed upon. Now. Because of the hype of this season, maybe we'll get a four. No, no, no. no. Three. I'm I'm comfortable with three, but I think that's more fans like wanting a fourth. But it was always kind of planned when they started the renewal process that there was only going to be three seasons. Okay, I must have misread it because I thought Mm -hmm. that it was a a finite four. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So. Q pretty much gives Picard the lay of the land, that he is still on Earth, of course. Uh, he's at his home. It's the same year, but things are different. This Earth, instead of, I guess you can say, uh, fixing itself, mm-hmm. decided to basically take the Earth and do the whole thing where they just take, he just take a little uh, duct tape and a little a little uh, wire hanger on the bumper of the back of your car or covering up your little hood light and that fixes it and you're good to go. Um, Both with the earth itself, which seems to be really bad looking and the society as a whole. And this society is worse, I think, than the mirror universe. Um, Yeah, yeah, because at first I was like, okay, we're just doing the mirror universe. No. No, this is this is bad. This is worse. This is worse. Um, Picard has slaves. They're Romulans. Uh, they're terrified of this Picard. You can see that when he walked into the room. Um, the kind of hint I felt uh, when you see the synth, um, uh, the synth that was similar in design from the first season that's part of the Mars. Uh, attack, if you will. He was called Harvey uh, because Q disappeared on Picard in the conversation. 
Um, and he showed up and Harvey's like, um, my name is Harvey. And I don't know if you guys remember that old Jimmy Stewart movie of the same name called Harvey. No. So Jimmy Stewart was this guy that had this imaginary big rabbit called Harvey. And only he could see Harvey. And only he could talk to Harvey. And Harvey would tell him things and they were best friends. But his family put him into a mental institution. And the whole the whole movie is about whether or not he should be in this mental institution. And talking about Harvey and, and Harvey's proving that Harvey was real and that it's not um, imaginary, if you will. And that's to me was like kind of like a homage, if you will. Because at this point in time, even when Picard gets back with the band, no one else is seeing Q. So I, I appreciate that little tiny homage, if you will. And that gave me a hint that things here were not set in stone, if you will, but are but it wasn't the mirror universe. It's like, oh, okay, you guys are playing around stuff here. Okay, okay, okay. Um so this Picard is different. This Picard, as Picard finds out about himself in this timeline, uh, is a general. He's a conqueror. And he has a serial killer trophy room. <laughs> um, this serial killer trophy room. And all uh, the skulls. <laughs> Yo, and not just all the skulls, but the names. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was so uncomfortable when I saw that room and Q was like guiding him like, oh, you're a different fellow here and pointed to the trophy room. Uh, I did appreciate that Goldicott did get got because that son of a bitch needed to go a long time ago. Yes. Uh, but everybody <laughs> else was... The Negus. The yeah. Negus. Ma um... General Sarek uh, getting killed, decapitated, right, which apparently is Picard's M.O., chopping people's heads off. Right. Which, you know, which because he's a Frenchman, that makes sense. Right in front of his son and wife. Which we don't know which son and which wife. But, you know, still. Uh... General Martok, I was a little sad about. You got Martok, dog. Yeah, but Martok, we need to talk about the ending of D Space Nine um, at some point because I have some feelings. I didn't have feelings at the time, but now as I'm older and reflective, if you will, I feel there are some cases that you can make that prevent the Federations are some more war criminals here, okay? <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, it's kind of like the, the double standard here we have going on between Ukraine and Russia and in the United States, but... Anyways, um, <clears throat> Martok, the, the Grand Nagus. Who, what did the Grand Nagus do? Come on, man. He existed. So I, yes. I, I mean, come on. I, I I feel that uh, that was some bullshit. I really did. They got the Nagus. Um, Probably tried to kill him the president. They couldn't have that. I guess. I mean... Actually, you know what? That 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 could have been it. 
we all know Zek is a little handsy there. He he could have done it. He could have he could have said something to the uh to Annika Hansen, the president of Earth. Or the Confederation, if you will. Uh it's just uh I yeah, it was just it was very creepy, very scary, and it, it really set the tone for this universe. Like we're we are definitely not in Kansas anymore. I think I think is there any other notables in the the, the Sharpie room you guys want to talk about? He had a Bork skull, he had a few um weapons from I want to say there were some Bajoran weapons. I don't remember exactly. There was a Klingon suit of armor from Discovery. Um, I can't remember the rest. That I, I, uh, I he also had a blaster from that hunter species. What is it? The Herogen? Yep. In the Delta Quad. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, but yeah. That was like, species that no one knows what it is. In the back okay. corner there. That yeah, crazy skull. Um, the crazy skull that we thought was uh, species, was it 8-1? I think it's 8-4-7-2. 8-4-7-2. It totally looks like that. But maybe that's what species 8-4-7-2's real name is instead of the Borg designation. I tried to look. I, I couldn't see anything like that, but Picard is a, is a genocidal, horrible human being in this world. Oh, he he also drinks black coffee with Colombian roast, if you will, <laughs> which is hell on earth. So that's where Picard is. Um, Rafi is a security officer responsible for taking out rebels. Eldor, being a Romulan and a refugee, uh, is a rebel that is responsible for uh, some chaos in the Confederation. Uh, him and his homegirl, I guess, were uh, planting bombs all over the place for the various different species that have been either exterminated or conquered by this confederation, whose motto is, what is it, a human galaxy? Is it a sane galaxy or? A, safe ga- a safer galaxy is a human galaxy, I believe. A safe- it yeah, a safer galaxy is a human galaxy. Oh, him and Rafi do get end up be meeting up because Rafi rescues him from being exterminated by the Confederate security forces. Uh, he has to pretend to be a prisoner, which is like, but I don't know anything, which is Jordy Elmer, which is very funny. Uh, Rios apparently is the command of the Vulc- the invasion of Vulcan and suppressing the Vulcan um, people. He's still on the he's on the La Sierra and not the Stargazer. That's how he got plopped by Q. Did you guys notice some of the, the little Easter eggs when it came to that at all? Uh, when we eventually meet up with Seven? Mm, no. No. I might have missed uh, something. Well, first they mentioned that General Cisco is in charge of the invasion of Vulcan. And the fleet commander responsible for defending uh Vulcan was tu- Tuvok. Huh. So, yeah, so there was those little Easter eggs in there. Um, so Rios is uh, basically on a warship, and he looks, and he's like, what the fuck is going on here? He knows he's not in the right place or right time, and he is, like, terrified. Because 
he's kind of stuck, if you will. Uh, he doesn't have a crew, which I think is good for him. I guess Q made sure things, little things like that didn't happen to him. Uh, let's see. Seven is human. And she is the president of, as she put it, a genocidal uh, regime. Uh, what do you guys think of that change the dynamic of Seven becoming completely human? Well, it makes sense because she would have never been in a position to be assimilated. Right. I, 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 I'm going to have to go back and, and rewatch some Voyager to try to get get some better insight into, like, to, to sort of extrapolate more about Annika. Yes. Um, I appreciate it in the sense that she's she's kind of struggling sort of psychologically, but she's still doing that her like kind of suppression of her emotions, but it's kind of, it's, as we see in season, uh, episode three, it kind of bubbling out here. Um, because she she's always had it a thing about her being a Borg. Uh, she talked about it in Picard and Stargazer, like her presence antagonized people. People don't like Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, as she says in episode three, strangers don't like her. Um, as Rafi says, she's more relaxed. Um, she's had some issues uh, in Voyager. They kind of addressed it in one episode where she's, when she looks in the mirror, and I appreciate that, that that's what they did, she doesn't see Annika. She doesn't see the seven that we see with the little bridge and stuff like that. She still sees the full on board. Mm-hmm. And so she has, you know, body issues. She has issues with this whole thing. And that's understandable. She's been freaking traumatized uh, against her will. And this is her entire existence. I also forgot how old seven is. Uh, because I know on Voyager and just the way. Emotionally, her character has matured because of what happened to her as a Borg, um, being assimilated as a child. Uh, I, I forgot that Seven's like clocking almost 60, almost 70 years old. Mm. <laughs> uh, I totally forgot about that. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, 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 it's very interesting, and it would be interesting to see how that is kind of addressed throughout this season. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, she is President Annika Hansen in charge of everything. Uh, she does reach out to Riza, Rios. Uh, Picard is supposed to come for uh, extermination day. Yep. Where they trot out a board queen and offer. Offer in front of the masses as a way to reaffirm their mercy. As a, as a, the confederation, if you will. Annika is married. Uh, she's married to a man. I didn't even catch his name. Well, that's okay. Neither did she. No, no, she did not. So <laughs> and he's a, and he's a short dude too. I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I was like, this don't fit. <laughs> this don't fit at all. Uh, yeah, so she's, she's married, she's the president, she's, she's living large, she's the baller, if you will. She helps to gather the band kind of back together. She meets up with, uh, Agnes first down to meet the Borg Queen, whom she's still terrified of, uh, which is also understandable. 
Uh, the Borg Queen is not looking good. Uh, she's been severed from the Collective because the Collective in this version of time has been destroyed. And she is aware about the divergence. Particularly when she sees uh, Annika and it's like, oh, I assimilate. Help me, Tertiary 101. What is it? Tertiary Adjunct Zero Matrix 101. Uh, help me out. Oh, wait. You're you're not you're not her. What's going on? Why can't I hear the voices? Um that was scary to me, to me mm -hmm. personally. That the Borg Queen is not in command and living large and in charge. I'm baffled how they this particular version of the timeline, they were able to do that. Uh which makes these guys extremely dangerous and scary, this confederation. This version of Earth. Uh, so the Boar Queen, as we traditionally know her, has been captured. Agnes apparently has her boxed up. Um, even then, the Boar Queen took notice of Agnes. Because Agnes is lonely and she knows about loneliness. And I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. More credence to my belief that Agnes is about to be the new board queen. She could be Toby the board queen. Um, so they eventually get the, the band back together. Picard shows up for execution day, if you will. Uh, Rafi is bringing Elnor. Picard Caesar was able to kind of swift him away from security because uh, of his position. They go meet President... Uh, Annika Hansen, and they basically try to hatch a plan to where everyone tries to figure out how to get the hell out of here. Picard lets Rafi know that Q is responsible for the shift in the timeline. That they're not in a mirror universe, that this is that Q, because he gets this information from Seven, that something happened to the timeline. And so they gotta somehow fix it. Uh, what did you guys think of this escape plan? Because I felt that escape plan was very, very hastily done. Not typical for card precision. Well, let's face it. They didn't have time to be precise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let Elnor go kill some Confederate members, which mm -hmm. I'm fine with. Um, they needed to have Gerardi act neurotic as she is. Had to do the same. <laughs> they had to do it with little time. So, you know, good luck on them. Good, good on them on getting it done. Because uh, I mean, at least everybody played to their strengths, like 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 Joseph just said. They did play to their strengths, but unfortunately, as Rafley points out to Picard, things went to shit, <laughs> and they went to shit quickly. Uh, this episode does end with another cliffhanger because basically what they do is they have to have the ceremony. Uh, Seven, as Annika, is making the big old genocidal speech to the masses. Picard's there to kill the Borg Queen and they have to escape off this platform and are doing as much of a delay as they can before they can beam out of there. Um, they're able to beam back onto the Lacera with Rios because he got called back to Earth. Everyone's on board the, the ship. They're about to escape. And of course, Seven's husband shows up with security forces and tries to capture him. And that's how the episode ends. You should call him Soji's dad from now on. Soji's dad? 
That is her father. Yeah, John John Brionis is the same as Issa Brionis' father. Oh, I did not know that. Yep, we at all. We gotta respect our short, soon to be dead king in the next episode. <laughs> short, soon to be dead king. Um, what does he say to the card? Oh, I, basically, apparently having trophies of people's heads is a thing in this universe because he wanted the card's head. Uh, to be kept in the trophy room as a betrayer to the Confederation for saving a board queen. Um, overall, what did you guys think of Hennis? I think it was light, uh, but serious, which was perfectly fine. That's what it needed to be. It didn't need to be unnecessarily grimdark, but it did need to give some stakes, and it did. And they shot Elnor. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> no, that part was great, but the episode was great. They, yeah, did, think, they did shot Elnor, yes. I think it was a great setup for the third episode, which was, I mean, that's, you know, the acting in the third episode was great. The acting in the third episode was, was great, like you said. Um, I think they balanced, like, the, the seriousness, a little bit of the humor and the urgency that was going on. And once again, they, they left it in the cliffhanger where you're like, uh, I honestly didn't think they were going to make it. <laughs> I did not think they were going to make it. And I also appreciate that they kind of slow walk them having to time travel back to the diversion point, which they find, find found out from the board queen, which is 2024, which is why they needed her mm -hmm. um, to help them navigate and get to that point. Like previous iterations of Star Trek, this kind of would have been done in the first, in one episode, or maybe like Voyager, a two a two episode movie thing, but they're taking their time. And I like that because it allows for the show to breathe, it allows you to kind of, even though a lot is going on, it allows for you to get every, all these different character moments and um, for seeing, you know, everyone do their thing, if you will. Uh, so episode three, we have assimilation. It basically picks up from the cliffhanger where I still don't know his name and I'm not going to even look it up and find out, uh, what's his face, uh, Soji's has dad. <laughs> Soji's dad. They didn't name him. They didn't give him a name. So Soji's dad is fine. Soji's dad has everyone ho uh, held hostage. Uh, he wants to kill the card. He's wondering, you know, what's going on with uh, his wife, Annika. And he asks her, point blank, like, what's my name? And she's like, shit. <laughs> and they start fighting, taking people's phasers, taking out the security guard. Uh, Rafi, very concerned for Eleanor because basically that, that boy is her son right now. Uh, takes out <laughs> seven, Soji's dad. Everyone's dead. Of course, their blasters are incinerated on incinerator. There's no stun. I don't think they're stunned in this universe. <laughs> nope. nope. So they got to get going. They got to set up a the poor queen for a time jump. They got to evade the Confederation's uh, forces. Uh, Elnor is shot, dying. He's getting sent to sick bay, and of course. There's not proper medical equipment. There is no EMH. 
they're basically winging it using the med bed and a patch on his shoulder. Seven has to go help Ralphie get Elnor onto the bed. She has to go help try to, you know, save the ship, if you will. And Picard asks about Elnor, and she's like, yeah, he's kind of make it. She's like, she just looks at him and like, nah, that boy's dead. And that's very unfortunate. Um, I like the character of Elnor, but I think his death, which does happen, it raised the stakes. It, it added some meaning beyond just like we gotta fix this universe so we can get back to our own universe. Also, mm-hmm. it had to happen because how are you going to hide Elnor in the twenty first century? You can't. You no. take a, you rip a piece of his gown off and wrap it around his head. That that wouldn't work this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know they they probably have heard the story about the the strange guy on LDS in San Francisco with the whales. <laughs> Wales, yeah. Um, and it, it it worked for Tuvok because he was able to do the do rag thing, but that was 1996. I remember that. Oh God, that was horrible. <laughs> uh, that was 1996. They're going to 2024, and as we learned from Deep Space Nine, 2024, man, we got some problems. 2024 is not the business. That's not where you want to go. Nah. That is the beginning of the end, basically, of everything, is that year. Uh, so, they're getting attacked. The ship gets a little bit damaged. The Borg Queen somehow freaking gets out. And I thought she was going to assimilate everybody. Uh, she's crawling on the ground. It was the most terrifying thing. That's the, mo- the last creature I think I saw crawling on the ground was like some vampire movie I saw. And I was like, run. Run, run, what's going on? Run, and she doesn't assimilate. The dogs have comments, they have thoughts. But yeah, um, the Borg Queen crawling around on that ship was like, yikes, creepy, very creepy, uh, uh, very confusing, but very creepy. Um, and of course, she worked her her voodoo on Gerardi to get her to plug her into the ship, so they could bring back an old Star Trek trope and slingshot around the sun. That was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. Hello, time travel. Also, this episode was directed by Leah Thompson. Yes. Yes. And I had to do a double take and say that Leah Thompson, and then I went on Twitter, and it was that Leah that Thompson. Leah Thompson. And I, I put well. Of course, uh, tech has improved since the the one with the whales, but I did like the time travel look of this one, where the, with the sparks flying backwards instead of foot forwards, mm-hmm. and with the tear going back in the Girardi's eye. Probably could have done without all of the excessive dolly zooms, but that that that's a, a small price to pay for a very good shot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I like that watch as well. Uh, I thought that was good. I thought it was it was very excessive, but it wasn't lens flares, so I was fine with it. Uh, lens flares alone, they're fine. And he, he can go a little overboard with them. <laughs> um, so so they get to Earth, and of course they have to do a crash landing because what is Star Trek without some starship crashing down on a planet? <laughs> but the thing of it is. 
this is a very populated planet and they were aiming for LA, but Picard was able to diverge them to uh, France, to his home in the Chateau, which apparently at this point in time has been abandoned. And <clears throat> it still has a lot of force around it. Like it's not very developed. I still don't know how they get past air defenses and Instagram, but they crash land. <laughs> they crash land in France in the middle of the night, and there's not much power. The Borg Queen is trying to drain them so she can get back active, uh, which is the reason why El poor Elnor died because they couldn't detach the Borg Queen from Malasiera, and they basically had to let her have kind of control of the ship. And because there wasn't a way to save Elnor. Um, he died in Rafi's arms. Um, and Rafi proceeds to go off. On oh, and I loved it because she was not wrong. Nope. No, no, not earned it. What she called out Picard and what Q are doing about playing people with people's lives is what they fuck have been doing this entire time. And as much as Picard wants to justify it, saying that Q is the one playing with people's lives, he's got to acknowledge his part in this. And mm -hmm. the robotic way where he made the big, you know, Avril captain speech, if you will, to rally the troops was the wrong fucking time, dude. Yeah, I know there's some urgency and it needed to be done, but Jesus Christ, the way this man compartmentalizes his emotions. Oh, I'm surprised he had she didn't sock him. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's another dose of uh uh um dealing with your own hubris, mm -hmm. which was which was what the first season was all about. Yep. Yes, and we're dealing it with it in a different way because the consequences are I think are much higher than the first season. The entire existence of the entire universe is as Picard laid out. Uh, in episode two, like he changed the entire, Q changed the entire universe somehow with a divergence. And that's trillions of lives, if you will, to, to prove that you're right, to prove, I don't know what Picard's trying to prove at this point, other than trying to get back home. Um, but yes. Makes you, makes you think, like if, uh, if uh, Picard had punched him in the face like Cisco did, you know, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> Or if he had been more forthright and firm like Janeway was with Q about, I'm not putting up with your bullshit. No, Picard like to play games. So it's mm -hmm. Yes. And so here we are. Here we are in the year 2024. We have to go to LA. The board queen is down. So Gerardi and Picard are going to fix her. Ralphie, <laughs> who basically took command, is like, we're going to find whatever this bitch said we're supposed to find. I don't care if they don't want to be fine, Rios. I don't care the science, Agnes, about time travel, because Eleanor is coming back. We're going to find the son of a bitch. We're going to fix things, and we're going to get the hell out of here. That's basically what her attitude was. Mm -hmm. uh, Seven tried to calm her down just a little bit by going with her, but Ralphie wasn't having it. Um... So Ralphie Rios and Seven are going to go to L.A. and they're going to find this mysterious watcher that has a key 
don't know, ingredient, if you will, to help fix the timeline. And this watcher is in LA. And LA, as it is now, and it's only 2022. It's a cesspool. It is a shit show, yes. <laughs> um, they don't have much power, so there's only one time, one transport, if they will. Uh, they have badges to communicate with themselves. Agnes clearly points out to Rios that we gotta watch out for butterflies, so please don't get caught with the authorities. Don't, don't interact with people. Don't try to get, you know, somebody's autograph. Uh, small footprints, people. Small footprints so we can do what we need to do because we don't want to change the time any further than it already has. Of course, that with Star Trek, that never happens. Um, they also said a thing about the transport where they, there was something about geolocation, like it wasn't right, so they weren't going to transport near each other. So Seven got transported somewhere like in a park or something like that, and a little girl saw her and thought she was a superhero, and she said, keep my secret. Uh, super cute. It was super cute. Uh, Ralphie got somewhere in downtown, and Rios, he got transported eight feet above the ground. And bopped his head. A great start, guys. A great start. You can't blame that. Um, that wasn't. That, no, it was not on him, but it it kind of made sense that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen that aspect of the transporters before. Like, what happens if you like be midair, like Looney Tunes style? <laughs> well, here we go. Um. So here's the thing. Uh, the sanctuary districts. That is something that was brought up in past tense. Uh, we saw that in Deep Space Nine. Uh, there was this big thing called the Gabriel Riots that took place in September of the year 2024. That was supposed to be beginning, the beginning of the change, if you will, of the social dynamic uh, within the United States, if you will, at the time. I saw some knuffle about the way they depicted the LA Sanctuary District because it was open, it wasn't walled up, there were no guards. Of course, someone tried to rob, rob Ralphie and Ralphie just kicked his ass. Uh, I need people to know, understand something. That makes sense that LA would just put the Sanctuary District in some parking lot somewhere and there's no walls or no guards. LA and San Francisco are very different. They are very different. They're very different. The city structure is very different. The culture is very different. In San Francisco, I know people think California is a big liberal bastion. It's not quite like that no, way. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's two it's, liberal cities and then a whole lot of red in between. And yes, and even San Francisco is fairly conservative. Mm-hmm. Fairly conservative place. So it makes sense that they would wall people off and have armed guards. In LA, you can't really do that. San Francisco, the sprawl. the sprawl, but San Francisco was built before the car. Uh, even even though LA has some part of it was built before the car, its expansion did not occur until after World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and whatever was like in the port areas, which was a port city, they redid that stuff to to be car centric. San Francisco. 
it's not car centric. It's it's the most East Coast design you will have out west in, in, in any city really. Maybe parts of Seattle, maybe Portland, but definitely San Francisco is the closest you will get to East Coast feel as far as your narrow cities, the blocks, the way it is designed. It's not car centric. So they had the capacity and just because it's, it's also because of the geography of being hills and mountains and stuff like that, they can wall people off. In LA, you cannot do that. And because the city is so image con- conscious, you can't have armed national guards here and there and everywhere. It doesn't look good for the city. It's not going to draw attraction to people. People will be upset if they see somebody with a rifle and a big ass rifle walking around in a uniform. They're going to complain. It's not going to happen. So it makes sense that it's just a sprawl. It's kind of like how it is now. There's just I was little... just going to say that. I mean, yeah, like of what I know of LA. So I've yeah. never actually been to LA. But I I have a lot of friends that are are in or from LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you just said, that's sort of LA now. Yeah. And historically, what LA has been. Yeah. So you're even if they have designated zones, which they do, like tiny smatterings of it. But if at this point, where it's like a, a series of complexes, if you will, of sanctuary districts, where it's basically just a parking lot, and that's where they shove the homeless people. Uh, which is kind of like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Skid Row. Skid Row is. And you couldn't wall off Skid Row if you wanted to either. Um, there's a row that's kind of the artery of LA. Uh, they would do that. They would, they would just shove you in the old mall parking lot, and that's where you are. Uh, maybe there might be a little bit of a checkpoint as a pushback to keep people from coming in and out. But for the most part, there will be no walls. They're not going to block you off. You know that's where you belong. And if I see you outside this space, the cops are going to pick you up and just shove you right back there. Just like they do with Skid Row. Um, it's disgusting. It's wrong. But that's kind of how the system works. So that made sense to me. Um, it's just, I just don't think people understand just the culture of this area and how the dynamics of the homeless issue works in LA versus in San Francisco. Um, but I appreciate the fact that they, they are in the year 2024, which I think given the sun factor, if you will, and how people are dressing, that it's not September, it's somewhere probably earlier in the year. So the Gabriel riots haven't happened, uh, that they, they did acknowledge that the sanctuary district existed. They acknowledged that this type of, these certain historical events have been addressed in Star Trek are happening and they are here at this moment in time. So that was my little rant. Um, does anyone have anything else they'd like to contribute about this episode? Uh, Rios ended up with was cute. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I was saying the nurse that Rios ended up uh, in the, the doctor? Yeah, yeah, doctor. Yeah, she's a doctor. doctor. My apologies. I don't know why the politics and nurse, but she is cute. Um, so about that, the image that they have for that doctor, that butterfly image, is the same image that Seven had on her medical supplies that she was protecting from the pirates before she went to the, um, to the big time jump, uh, the time portal, if you will. Interesting. It's the same butterfly image. Yeah. 
So like she's these little things that are in the background of this show to kind of tie things over. It's excuse me. Um, I appreciate. So I don't know what that means. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't know if Rios helped contribute to that. And this is all it's a time causality. So that means we'll get Elbar back. But that is that is the same it is the same image. I just gotta say that there's there's something to be said about the biggest villain of the show so far being Ice. <laughs> ice. God. So the whole no papers, no hospital thing that is part of the culture here in California, if you say that shit, no one's gonna for the most part, unless you're a fucking asshole or goddamn horrible human being, it's gonna mess with you. For the most part, most people know that some people just don't have papers and they just don't care. They just don't. It's not a problem. It's not an issue. So clinics like this doctor has are all over the place. And unfortunately, yes, under particular administrations, they do get rated. Uh, it's something that hasn't quite happened uh, as of late, simply because uh, in this current timeline in my state, uh, there's a governor that doesn't allow that. But I imagine that a governor in this timeline does allow that. So yes, ISIS is the biggest bad and just uh, a horrible rally that a horrible reality that unfortunately too many people in this country have to deal with. Um, also realistic was the questioning of the status of the doctor just simply because she's brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which too many people on the border states happen. You don't even have to be on the border state. It happens. If you're brown, you obviously don't belong to this country, which is just stupid. But that, again, is a flavor of the type of timeline that we're current, the the, uh, dark timeline, if you will, of I'm not sure when World War III is supposed to pop off. 2026. 2026. Okay. Yeah, because I'm still like, I'll admit that I have a hard squared the star trek timeline squared away because now it's coinciding with like our real life yes so like world war three and the eugenics war and all of that i i my mind has yet to grapple with all of that well the eugenics war occurred in the 90s and occurred primarily in asia right so it wasn't a global well it wasn't a global war in the sense that war Three is what it's supposed to be. Uh, my understanding, of World War Three was a gradual progression because it was supposed to be like a thirty-year war. It starts in twenty twenty-six or twenty-year war. It ends in twenty fifty-six when they drop the bombs, and then it's like everyone more for themselves, if you will, because. When we see Zephyr and Conference in 26.3 for first contact, things are bad. Mm-hmm. Very bad. And we also know from the premiere of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation, when he takes the form of the judge, that is a judge that was supposed to be in the Russian part of the world or what's left of that area of that part of the world uh, who would judge people in robes like that during that period of time of 2050s towards the end of that century before they were 
done away with, if you will. So there's a lot of hints of different events that have happened this period of time, but it's not been like a cohesive markdown, if you will. And at the same time, I don't think people realize that because a war can occur and it can be a very large and massive war in one region of the world, the rest of the world can just go about its existence and mm -hmm. not do too terribly effective affected by that war, which I think is what the Eugenics War was, even though it was bad, it didn't affect the entire, if you will say, the Western world, if you will, or parts of the world. I think with World War Three, it took a while for everyone to kind of get in, if you will. Um, I hope they clear that up eventually, but it is what it is right now. The, you know, I mean, I keep thinking to myself that uh, um, it seems like one of the characters from uh, Strange New Worlds is a, is a descendant of Khan. And maybe they'll take that as an opportunity to address that, those parts of the timeline. Yeah, well, I like I said, like in the beta canon, uh, not all the genetically engineered people left the Earth. Just Khan's group. And they left in two vessels. Mm-hmm. Some of them stayed, and some still, <clears throat> some people still modified other humans. It didn't stop. It just wasn't as pervasive, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there, in the beta canon, there was like a, an act that passed out that said, basically, because you're descended from a genetically engineered human being, or are a genetically engineered, engineered human being, doesn't mean you're not a human being or a lesser person. And that was a precipitating factor of kicking off World War Three. Hmm. Um, there's also, yeah, there's also other stuff like Star Trek Voyager with that one episode where Janeway talked about her ancestor that was an uh, astronaut and was responsible for the Mars colony, and it turns out that was a kind of bit of a BS, if you will, story. Mm -hmm. There was a picture that was taken in the the Millennial Gate that was being built. That picture took place like in 2045 and everyone looked healthy and well mm -hmm. so in indiana so it there's you know like i said there's things about this whole world war three that's supposed to devastate the earth that doesn't quite make sense it doesn't really jive very well it's like it's and i was watching i was either watching something or reading something about it earlier today Mm -hmm. because I'm just a gigantic nerd who loves his shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to say that they're treating it more now, they're treating it more as instead of a, a definite as it is this, they're saying it's not as I don't want to say it's, they're saying it's not as bad. I don't, I, I don't quite remember because uh, you know, okay, first contact took place in 2063 World War Three ended in 2056. Um, no, it didn't end in 2053. 2053, uh, okay. So the world looked a whole lot better after ten after ten years. That, uh, I would think nuclear winter would last a whole lot longer than that. Well, yeah. we know from Star Trek: Next Generation that only 32 bombs went off. I mean, that's a lot of shit. <laughs> that, that is, but depending on where in the world it was, with the grade of the of the bombs are, yes, it's a significant environmental devastation, but 
like I don't think it's like absolute death like you see depicting of nuclear winters and everything just broken. I think it would be like a serious gradual decline. Like it takes a while for the effects of the crops dying out, uh, the radiation spread, if you will, the acidic rain, uh, the famines, the probably disease, uh, the people with knowledge either have, that haven't already died during the period of warfare, uh, if they're older, dying out, or, you know, I think 2633 kind of is kind of realistic, if you will, because there could be pockets where things are not environmentally as devastating. People-wise, it might be devastating. There might be famine. There might be a disease going on, but you can still breathe the air. You can still grow some crops. You can still probably drink some water. Hmm. Or you have to use some kind of filter filtration system, where it's not as you know you you live a bit, if you will. But I think by understanding by twenty sixty three, we were on the brink of extinction, if you will. Yep. Um. The best bet I can think of it, I think of it in the sense of them needing to kind of explain some of this because we talked about this. I think both in Picard and Discovery about the Federation and about how the trauma, I think it was mostly Discovery, about the trauma of the Federation. And it was trauma that propelled humans out into space, right? They right. like really almost self-annihilate themselves and then they saw the Vulcans and were like, oh, we need to really get our shit together. And the Vulcans had the same thing. They had the time of the awakening with Sura, where they basically self-annihilated themselves, and it took them almost a thousand years to get back to where they were. Um, and there are other species that were like that. And they kind of need to address these scars, if you will, for as far as the human component that's part of the Federation. This trauma, if you will. Because it would be interesting. It would be nice. Like, publish a book. I don't care. <laughs> just clarify the timeline. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, yeah, they probably have to do a book because I don't know that I would watch that show. I don't want to watch the show. I don't. It's too close yeah. to home. Yeah, I, I don't want to watch that show. I don't want to watch what I'm that show. For no, in no, Star Trek. No, it's not. Um, but they talk about it. Ralphie and Seven are on the case, if you will. They're trying to find the Watcher. Ralphie has a tricorder that she modified to be able to find the Watcher because the Watcher is supposed to be, you know, an alien. So if they're an alien, they're going to have alien tech. They're going to have alien biology. There's going to be some indicator of their presence. And they're trying to go to the highest point in Los Angeles in this building to be able to find the Watcher, which they find an indication in MacArthur Park, which... Okay, fine. I I, I kind of wish they would use a different LA spot because LA is more than some of the things you see in other TV shows, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but they're up there, and a guard tries to stop them from taking and stuff like that. And Seven's trying to improvise, and it's so comedic the way Ralphie and Seven interact with each other because Seven's like, "Oh, we're just we're just trying to take an, an image portrait." <laughs> Ralphie's like, "Up there, sure." It was just it was just a funny interaction. Um, they did mention, or at least Devin did mention that 
this is kind of the beginning of the end. There's a big, huge fire that's going on in the hills. You know, they loot the environmental damage and things of that nature. And they find out that Rio's comm badge is on the Blitz, so they know where he is, and it looks like they're going to go find him first before they find the Watcher. But that's pretty much their status. Rio gets picked up by Ice. And now we have to deal with Picard and Agnes. Does anyone want to take that part? Basically, they tried to, the um, Gerardi decides she wants to let the board let the board queen do a soft assimilation of herself, so they can find the location of the Watcher, uh, you know where and when, because the board queen knows that the board queen's not telling because the board queen is an asshole. So, uh, you know, Jean Luc does the whole no, you can't do this. Um, assimilation is horrible, which is it, which to be fair, it is. Uh, but she tells him, no, I'm going to do it anyway. So she does it anyway. And Picard watches over her. And we get unfiltered Gerardi. You know, happiness Gerardi. Uh, uh, angry Gerardi. The Gerardi who wishes Picard was her dad. The uh, Gerardi who, who would like to go to sleep and never wake up. That was very heartbreaking. Please don't do that again, Star Trek. Thank you. Um, and finally, although the board queen doesn't quite realize it, Gerardi broke through and got something from her. Mm-hmm. Um, in hidden on the ship in the location called Shit I Stole from the Board Queen, which <laughs> <laughs> was absolutely spectacular. And the board queen also decides to tell her, like, hey, you have done the most dangerous thing in the universe, you have impressed me. Which should be a very terrifying phrase for everyone involved. Yeah, that's the point where maybe you might want to take up your phaser Picard and be the Bork Slayer. Because I don't think you really need her anymore. Not even to get the Temple Fissure. I, I, I honestly don't think you need her anymore. But there she is, just hanging in the rafters, being an asshole, saying she's not going to give up anything. Na 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 na. Uh, give me your ship, and maybe I might tell you the truth. Kind of a deal. Um, like I said, this board queen is terrifying. I duct tape her ass, barbed wire her, <laughs> get some welding equipment and weld her in a cage. I don't care. It's just she's too too free. She's too free and loose. They they they're playing with fire here, and I'm not understanding this. Um, desperate times call for desperate measures. Desperate call for stupidity. Yeah. Oh. But yes, I thought that moment was very um, well played, well acted. I like the whole Pixar mind, 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 mind from Finding Nemo <laughs> moment. Um, but yes. Uh, it kind of lends credence to maybe Girardi is the new board queen, which I think might be even scarier considering how batshit crazy she is. Oh, it's, it's horrifying. Yeah, like, I don't know if she's going to be on our side. I, 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 I don't trust her motivations. And she is not ter- terrified enough, I think, after that moment of the board queen. She seems, she's more defiant. A little too smarty pants, if you will. Uh, 
So the, basically, the the cliffhanger was Rios getting picked up by ISIS, and ice, ice. ice. Um, and what accent? Well, they might as well be ISIS. They're kind of. <laughs> I don't think I misspoke really much there. Yeah, uh, but Ice and Picard, uh, because Rios didn't have his badge because a little boy, the son of the doctor, kind of took it away from him. And then the mom took it away from the boy and is at the office, uh, reaching out to Rios and not being able to get a hold of him. So next episode, which is called The Watcher, is basically they have to find The Watcher and Rios at the same time. And we still haven't hit any more cue or how from the previews of what the season's about, uh, how Loras is here, and what the hell Brent Spiner's character is doing on this show. We're three episodes in, it's a seven episode season, and it's just, it's mine, it's, it's a bonkers. Yes. You can't, you can't have a Star Trek episode without having a Zoom. You're going to, it's, it's just, there will be a soon somewhere in in the Star Trek universe. I I need to explain. Maybe they're all clones. That would be neat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I I have a strong family resemblance thing. Like all our siblings, my siblings are seven of us. We do get mistaken for each other quite a bit. But they, if you just drop like, oh, they're clones. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But yes, there has to be a soon. We didn't get a hint of his presence in the very scary but believable time existence of episode two, mm -hmm. where there was a hollow, hollow image of him saying, what is the factious expression? I've already forgotten. A safer it. universe is a, uh, a safer world is a uh, safer galaxy is a human galaxy. Yes, that one. I'm all for what's the Bajoran security officer from? Lower decks, uh, from lower decks, from yes. lower decks. Oh God! What is oh, uh, Shacks. Shacks. I was fighting fascism. Is a, is a full time job. <laughs> uh, I I feel that spirit. Okay, I really do with this. Um, but that's where we're at so far with Star Trek Picard. I like the cliffhanger endings. I I I like how they're kind of slow walking some of this. It's there's a lot of depth and breath, even though there seems to be a lot going on. There's a lot of action. These three first, the first three episodes, we got like a space battle, a phaser battle, a bunch of kung fu kicking, uh, and then you know, ISIS being a dick uh, happening here. Uh, a lot has gone on. A lot has happened, and I'm really excited and looking forward to the rest of this season. Uh, what do you guys think? I'm ready. Bring it on. I'm I'm here for all the Star Trek at this point. Like until they fuck up monumentally, I just keep it coming. Yes, exactly. Um, speaking of Star Trek, so there is some a lot of Star Trek news. I know we've been kind of gone because of life and stuff like that. But Picard, as I stated earlier, is only going to be is official. They wrapped up filming filming for season three uh it's only going to be three episodes or uh, three se seasons uh which i think fits i think it fits with the what they're trying to do with this particular show i think it fits with the way television is being done right now mm -hmm. and to be honest i'm fine with it i mean patrick mm -hmm. stewart is like in his 80s 
I was going to say that. Like, we got to give him a rest. Yeah. We don't need anything extra. No. We don't need, like, like Indiana Jones. Like, we don't need that. No, we don't need that. Um, Disco just ended its season four. Um, We'll we'll talk about when we can put that up. Yeah, Uh, I thought we were going to talk about that as well, but you haven't seen the last few episodes, so... Life, man. Life. <laughs> yeah, I know life has been a little, little rough, and I haven't been. So everybody, I apologize. One of the main reasons we haven't been able to do this is because of me. Um, I will hop on. Just let me know as soon as you, you, you uh, watch those last episodes of Discovery because I, I, I need somebody to do this victory lap with me. <laughs> yes. Oh, good God. I, I stated this earlier off record with the guys that season four, even though I haven't seen the last three episodes, is the trolliest, trolliest of all the trolliest seasons of Star Trek Discovery, and I am here for it. And we'll we'll go in depth and talk about it when we have a chance to talk about Disco. But they have been renewed. They're going to come back. Season five, it's official. Um, and I'm here for it. I think they're going to start filming pretty soon. Give them a six. Give them a six. Just give him a six. Give, give him a, a seven. Yeah, this uh, is a full seven like, like like Star Trek does. Yes, just like Star Trek does or should have done. Should have done with Enterprise. Oh, God. Oh, poor Enterprise. Uh, Lord Dex is, has his third season. It's going to come out later this year. they also been renewed, my understanding, for a fourth. So they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds is coming out this May, and I am all here for Space Daddy. I cannot wait. They've already been renewed, and it hasn't been aired yet for a season. I love that arrogance. I love that. I love that arrogance when when uh when when companies are that confident. Not only that, but they let you know that yes, we're gonna let your. I don't know why he has such a hold on the Star Trek universe. But your Kirk is going to come on and we've already casted and filmed him for season two. Okay. I trust. I, I Yeah. I trust Kirkman and company. I I didn't want to read that news. I didn't want to read it. And I think it might have leaked and so they had to make it official. Yeah, these, it, these things happen. Um... I found it an interesting casting of Paul Wesley as the younger James T. Kirk. But I think it works. I think he's a good actor. Um, it'd be interesting to see. But again, that's season two. That's way far off in the timeline. We still haven't seen a first episode of Strange New Worlds. Uh, check out the trailers. Check out the promotional thing. Because it look, not only does it look gorgeous, it looks very diversified. looks very engaging. You're going to get your episodic... Uh, beam down, visit world, come back up, solve a problem. Joe, I'll be careful what you wish for. But uh, I I can't wait. I, I can't wait. I, I'm looking forward to Strange New Worlds. Um, of course, Prodigy is out here in these streets. It is a Nickelodeon cartoon. It, too, has a second season coming. Uh, the first season hasn't finished. They kind of doing the break apart uh, type of a deal where they show a bunch of episodes for a little bit for the first season, 
take a break and then show the rest uh, at a different part of time. Uh, again, um, the kids seem to like it because they got a whole entire freaking toy line coming out. Yeah. Uh, I, I and I have to say, you know, I know a lot of people, and, and there's nothing wrong with this because Star Trek is is being all things to all people, and that's great. Um, I, I know, if, you know, some of y'all are gonna just sort of dismiss this show because it is a Nickelodeon cartoon. Don't do that. Watch it. <laughs> Don't watch it. This show. Watch it. This show gets dark. Yeah, it's like okay, if you all, uh, everybody knows that I'm crazy for Star Wars, and everyone knows that I'm crazy about Star Wars Rebels. It it's it it's like Rebels. Like, mm-hmm. it starts off really kiddy, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, damn. This is not, no, what? No, this is dark. Yeah. Watch the show. Not only is it dark, uh, it also has other Star Trek characters from different shows on it. Of course, it has Captain Janeway, the hologram version. Um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but the real Captain Janeway shows up. Um, and apparently the captain of the vessel that these kids are riding around in was Captain Chakotay. Ch- yeah, Chakotay. So, watch this show. Um, I'm going to get to it. I think I'm going to wait till all the episodes drop so I can just binge it. It's not very long. They're half an hour episodes. Uh, it's well done, beautifully made. And it's still animated. The colors just pop. The colors were so bright. I was like, wow. It was extremely gorgeous. Uh, And it's a way, if you have a a younger person in your life, it's a way for them to kind of, you know, get them into Star Trek. Uh, They're used to this type of format. A lot of their cartoons are kind of dark like this. Uh, Star Wars. Last Bender, you pretty much put out most uh, cartoon shows, and they're they're dealing with these themes. Okay, I don't know if you're not paying attention enough to your kids or whatever, or younger people in your life, but these cartoons have been like this for a while now. It is, uh, I mean, that's what kid entertainment traditionally has been like. Mm-hmm. We got to a point where we really sort of underestimated the intelligence of children. Yes, you know, and I'm glad that era is over. Mm-hmm. Look, it's, it's just. I grew up watching Optimus Prime die. Okay, so yeah, uh, yeah. still haven't gotten over it. <laughs> I saw that in the movie theaters. I cried. Oh, yeah. So you know, yeah. kids yeah. are more resilient than you give them credit for. Yes, and, it was dark, yeah. but yes, the show was worth it. Yes. Uh, what else? Um, let me go back to my notes here. Okay, so it has been official. I don't know when Michelle Yeoh's schedule is going to free up. She's like in almost everything. She's mm-hmm. in that Lord of the Rings TV show, my understanding. Uh, she's got that dope ass movie coming out. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait till it comes out, and I will be campaigning just from the trailer alone for an Oscar nomination because that that it it looks like the best multiverse uh, movie ever. It just does. Um, but Section 31 is going to happen. I think they're going to treat it much like Picard, where it's just going to be a couple of seasons, and then they're done. Good. Uh, but yeah. it's officially announced that is something that's going to happen. Starfleet Academy is in the pipeline. 
there's some movement with it, but there's not been any official announcement from Paramount as far as writers, actors, plot line, or anything like that. It's just something they said that they are working on. I forgot all about that. Yes. Uh, some other stuff that they dropped that people were wondering about, uh, the one about the eugenics war, it's not happening. Good. Uh, there is another one. I forgot what it was, but Starfleet Academy, out of all the hopefuls, if you will, is something that they're still doing. Uh, and we are going to have a Star Trek IV movie. Uh, some of the actors have signed up. They're working, scheduling stuff with everybody else, particularly with Carl Urban. He's saying he wants to do it, but he's doing the boys. Uh, they got a director. They got they got a pretty much a script, but I guess they haven't sent it out to the actors yet. But it has been announced that 2023 they're supposed to drop a Star Trek four in the television universe, directed by J.J. Abrams. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's produced by him. Um, produced by him. Matt Shankman, the director. Matt. of Vision. Okay, Matt Shankman. I I remember seeing J.J. Abrams everywhere, so I just assumed it was he was directing as well. Um. So it's there not, is. It's not Tarantino. So that's, that's what I'm about to say. There is no Tarantino. You can read about what happened to that. I felt it, felt, it was, felt it was might have been an interesting take. I don't know. I wouldn't mind if he would direct a television episode because he has done so in the past and they were fired. I'm not sure about doing a Star Trek movie. But it's not happening. And neither is uh, the guy that. Did, what's that Marvel show that was on FX? Uh, Noah Hawley Legion. Noah Hawley Legion. His his thing is not happening. Uh, With Jay Carson. Yes. So, but we are going to get a Star Trek Force. So the crew is going to get back together. At a older, sexier Chris Pine is going to be Captain Kirk. I can't wait. Uh, but uh, <laughs> don't know how this become a, a first cast. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's, Jesus Christ, that's Star Trek, you guys. Uh, a lot of these shows, uh, premiere, let's see when everyone's premiering. So, Strange New Worlds dropped in May. Lord Dex Season 3 is supposed to drop sometime in the summer. I'm assuming somewhere around July, August, simply because what they have done is they've given these shows space. But allowed a couple episodes of the previous, the show that's currently on the air, uh, go on. So, like, Star Trek Discovery premiered uh, when Star Trek Rachi had a couple episodes left. And then Picard premiered when uh, Disco had, like, maybe four episodes left. And it looks like with Strange New Worlds, same thing. I'm pretty sure Lower Decks is going to go with the same M.O., and then Prodigy's uh, the second part in late 2022, which I'm assuming is probably some point in the fall. I can't and believe then, this is happening. And I, then I, we're going to cycle through again. <laughs> I am excited. I am ready. Bring it on. Uh, it's just, and look, all these different shows, it, like we, we've talked about, address different aspects of the community. There's something for everybody. I, I it's, it's just an amazing time to be a Star Trek fan. Uh, so that's it for us. We're oh, my last bit is that if you're you can't get enough Star Trek, uh, a lot of it is on Paramount Plus now. So 
and for some reason, Tubi, is that what the name of that free? Yes. Pluto TV. Pluto TV. Pluto TV. They have a channel. They show the first four. They've been showing the first four seasons of TNG pretty much on a loop. Yes. Uh, you can get your Star Trek there, but basically everything's going on to Paramount Plus. Um, the Paramount Plus is pretty much gone global. I think there's a couple spots where they're not, and they have different uh, agreements going on. I think it's worth it. There's um, other stuff coming on uh, Paramount Plus. They got movies dropping all the time. Uh, so, but check it out. It's like I said, it's a great, it's a great time to be alive. Uh, there's also a bunch of documentaries coming out. There was Center Stage that happened on, I think, the History Channel, I believe, to talk about the background and the making of Star Trek. There is a Lucy and Desi documentary. I don't know that girl that's been nominated for Oscars movie about Lucille Ball, but this is about the their history, about their development, and the things that they did I don't think people give enough credit to them, uh, Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, about mm. how they changed television. But they will talk about how a lot of genre television would not exist without them. And one of those Including shows, Star Trek. Yes, Star Trek was one of those shows. Mission Impossible, so the action genre shows that you see now, they started all that stuff, uh, and they will be addressing that a little bit of that in their documentary. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, and there's supposed to be a, a history of Star Trek Two in Search of Tomorrow, which is about a bunch of eighty shows and how they got it developed. And it talks about <laughs> Nicholas Meyer's saga of developing Star Trek Two, which has a a lot of ugly back history. If you're interested in that, but like I said, Star Trek's everywhere, everyone. So it's it's a great day to be a fan. Uh, but we are almost two hours <laughs> running long here. Uh, that's it for me. Do you guys have any last thoughts? Nope. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm saying just what a time to be alive. So we will try to see you again in, I would say, three more episodes of Star Trek Picard. And we will try as the best we can to drop a full length. And I'm sure it's going to be a very interesting conversation about the entire season of season four of Ditko. But that's it for us now, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.